This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. Thank you for joining us. Richard Crowell and uh, Rogers also joining us from theracetalk.com. Of course, we are powered by theracetalk.com. And we do thank our great friends at Truck Assist for helping us put it all together as well. Let's get straight to our first guest, boys. All right, boys, joining us on the line to have a chat is Erebus Motorsport CEO, Barry Ryan. Good day, Barry. G'day, how are you all? Excellent, thank you, mate. Thank you for joining us. Uh, 2019, one of those weird years that's had some uh, good success for you, but probably not as big as you would have thought after what was a fairly impressive 2018. Yeah, you're right. Um... As a smaller team, it, it, it takes a bit to establish a, a base setup and you know, know all the tracks so you can go to each track and know that where you're going to start. And really, we only started at the start of 2016 as a fresh outfit. So, um, 17 and 18 was our two years to make sure we, I guess, learned every track and knew when we went back the next year what our base setup was. So, we sort of bounced out of the truck fast, as everybody talks about. And yeah, it's, it's this year would have rolled in the same as we finished 2018. I think we would have bounced out a lot stronger at every track. And we just would have had some tracks where we just couldn't get our head around what to do with the, the new, you know, the single spring package and how to quickly get on top of it. But I think at the end of the year now, we've, we've proved that Gold Coast, I think Bathurst will, will pretty fast. Gold Coast, Sandown, our base setup is, we've got a better understanding of it now. So, we're really looking forward to 2020 as long as too, too many things don't change. And, um, yeah, we're, every track now we're confident we can go to with a base set up that's going to be reasonable out of the truck. Barry, Richard Carl here, mate. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time. Out of all that you, you touched on with the troubles this year, you must be wrapped with the performance that your drivers have put in because Dave, I mean, Dave's been Dave, hasn't he? He's just traditionally quick, fast, yeah. always confident, yeah. always at the front. But Anton, it feels like to me, he's taken another step forward this year as a young bloke coming through the sport. Are you pleased with how those guys have performed and stepped up to the task, even when the cars might not have been where they wanted them to be? Yeah, definitely. Um, Anton and he's engineered Mirko. Mirko's only a young guy too, and he's you know, he's only 26. And the way they work together has been really good. And it's, it's complemented Dave and Elsa. And they're at a level now where they can actually push Dave and Dave sometimes needs a push, you know. He always drives on the limit. But, you know, if it's, if his teammates slightly faster than him, we, he finds another limit. So, mm. you know, Anton's definitely helped step up um, our performance for sure. Barry, it's Star Rogers. Um, and again, thanks for coming on tonight. Um, the insurance series this year, I think more than any, any other year, has thrown an incredible... Uh, level of pressure on the co-drivers and uh, you've got two very interesting ones you've got one who's probably done more Bathurst than any other co-driver in the field and, and the other one the rookie so do you think it was the, the way that it's worked this year with you know going straight to Bathurst that just the times these guys had to punch out has been the toughest year for the co-drivers? Oh yeah for sure you know you really in Tanner and Lowndes they're not they're not co-drivers they're 650 yeah. races each or whatever so yeah the level the co-driver has to be out has been really demanding on them and I think you can see a lot of them have felt the pressure and they've needed to step it up 
you know, and Luke, you know, Luke's done a fantastic job for someone that hasn't really raced this year. Um, and to his credit, he won us back in 2017. He put us in a position in 18 to win again, and we know what happened there. But there was no reason why, yeah, we we didn't back Luke to do the same thing this year. And, you know, unfortunately, first track of the session at Bathurst, he had a big crash, and I think that set back his confidence, and that was um, really tough on Luke. You could just see he was under so much pressure to to get it right, and he put too much pressure on himself, I think, in the whole Enduro Cup, and he yeah, just had a few errors that, you know, was uncharacteristic because he was having to find another limit that um, was probably not there. It's interesting just just on that though that if you look at the the batches of drivers you've got you've got people like Luke Dean Cantor and some of these guys that are sort of come out once and twice a year and put Jimmy Blanchard in that now then you've got this yeah. group of Super Two drivers and if you batch them together for the last couple of years you'd have to say that the guys that are coming through Super Two and perhaps Career Cup as well are the ones yeah. that actually are delivering the strongest results because I guess the fact that they've got their bums in race cars a lot of times yeah. during the year. Yeah, like Will, Will and um, Will Brown and probably Bryce on the weekend really stood out. Um, Will and that co-driver race, obviously passing um, Tander and you know catching Lowndes, it was you know, pretty impressive, and it, it was good for us to know that our car was strong. But for a young guy like that to just have the have the ability first, but then have the the balls to try up the inside of Garth Tander at Turn One and Mm. on a half slippery track and coming at the other end smiling like pretty impressive mm. for sure yeah it certainly is uh, the you, the uh, the talk was that uh, Erebus were looking at the uh, possibility of a third car for 2019 was there an opportunity there that if that had have come to reality that Will Brown could have been one of those possible uh, shared licenses on that car yeah there was there was talk about it we we've had a serious look at it and then we're really not ready as a team. We're we're still not delivering as a two-car team what we need to as efficiently and as effectively as we should. So we decided let's put it on the back burner, make sure we you know get our house in order better. And um, you know the the two-car model has won the championship for how many years now? You know we don't want to get ahead of ourselves and ruin what we've done. So. Uh, yeah, there was definitely a, a thought, an opportunity, but yeah, we've really got to get ourselves in order better, and then um, yeah, consider it maybe in 2021. Barry, the, the the David Reynolds deal. I mean, it's one of the most talked about driver contracts of the last five years, if not more. Um, what, what was there a key driving factor? And, and I, I've read all the stories about you guys that came together, and he wanted to stay there, and you guys wanted him, but. Were you actively searching for a relationship that would give the team ultra long-term stability, given how naturally unstable the sport can be at times, especially in the current driver market? Or was it that you wanted to pin down a, a level one driver all the time? What was the sort of driving factor behind you pinning Dave down for as long as you have? And I think the length is probably the biggest talking point of it all. Yeah, there's a couple of factors to the deal. It's, um, we get sick of every two years trying to manage the new deal. <laughs> That's one of them. And it's just yeah. disruptive. And um, Dave, he's always said, I just, I don't want to go anywhere else. I'm happy. I'm, I'm confident here. And, and we thought, you know, Dave for the next 10 years is always going to be a top five driver. He's going to win a race here and there. He's going to get polls. 
He's shown that he's more than capable of winning Bathurst. And there's no reason for the next 10 years we can't have him helping us win races and win Bathurst. And along the way, too, you know, whether Anton goes and we get another young guy, whatever happens, he's great with those young guys. Like, he's mm. never been threatened by Anton. All he's wanted to do is make Erebus better and make Anton better because it makes him better. So he's just a good fit. And um, Dave's quirky and he's got his goods and bads, but we we love him and he's, he's an easy person to, to um, have in your team and, and he's fast. Yeah. Just off the back of that barrier, sorry, sorry if I can, Dale, what's more impressive for me about the not the fact that you've signed uh, Dave for 10 years, but the fact that you actually have enough belief in your product to know that you'll be around in 10 years. I think that's more impressive. Yeah, I guess I've got a stake in it now, so it better be in 10 years. It's <laughs> <laughs> about the only thing apart from my house that I've invested in. So, it's, um, yeah, I, I can't see whatever happens supercars or the high-level motor racing product going to be in Australia for the next 10 years. So um, whether it's supercars or it morphs into something different in five years, it doesn't matter. We'll be involved in the highest level of Australian motorsport. So, yeah, as a contract to drive for Erebus, not to drive a supercar for 10 years, to drive for Erebus for 10 years. So yeah, uh, whatever it ends up being, it's, yep. that's, that's it. That's, we've got Dave for 10 years. So we, we, we have to, I guess, uh, look at this championship at the moment and uh, uh, it, it will end in controversy no matter what's happened. You, you've had, you know, you've been quite uh, forthcoming in opinion. Just to encapsulate, you know, the, 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 since Bathurst, the, the championship's been under pressure. Scott McLaughlin's been under pressure. Obviously, DJ Tentensky has. But just in, in a nutshell, your, your thoughts on what, what's going to be the legacy of, of this championship? Oh, it's just, for me, it's just disappointing that it's, it's all happened because the sport doesn't need it. Um, yeah, I, I guess I don't want to get too political with it, but yeah, it's for a team to do what they did at Bathurst and, and you know, for people to say it wasn't to help Car 17, it's, we all know that we all know why they did it, and you know, that's 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 another story, but now, you know, they're engine's been deemed illegal and they still didn't get stripped of the race win. I just don't understand it, but you know, that's that's for CAMS to sort out. I don't want to go um, discrediting anybody at CAMS. You know, they've made their decision. We, we've got to get on with it. But yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's disappointing. Like, Scott's a great guy and he's probably one of the best drivers we've seen for 10 years. He's, he's on average a couple of tenths faster when he's on pole than anyone. You know, Fabian's an unbelievably good driver, but Scott makes him look bad in the same car. And, you know, Scott doesn't need to be discredited for what's happened. He's He's been faultless and amazing all year. Like, mm. he deserves a lot more credit than some of the shit he's getting because yeah. of what his team's done. He, he's done nothing wrong. No, so, yeah. you know, you can see he's down in the dumps and it's like, mate, you won Bathurst, you won a championship. But deep down, he's obviously feeling like, Shit, what you know? This should feel better than this. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but it's it's always going to be the the question mark, Bathurst, unfortunately for for those guys. Barry, would the same question mark have applied? Should Jamie Wincup have gone on and actually won the race? He received the same advantage that Scott did. 
and uh, due to circumstances down the track, came in for his pit stop and didn't win the race. But had he gone on to win, would that question mark have been surrounding his win as well, since he did get that advantage also? Uh, I guess it's different because it wasn't his team that created the advantage. So it probably would have been a bit less grief because the team that created the advantage didn't win. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, people would have got, oh, Jamie only won because of what Penske did, but it wouldn't have been the same because it's, mm. yeah, it's, it's a different team. Yep, fair enough. Yeah, no, that's a sound one as well. Um, you mentioned before you've got skin in the game. So so with your team co-owners cap on, yeah. what, what do supercars need to do short and, and longer term to shore up where the sport's at. And, and it's been a really rough year for the category as a whole, irrespective of the Penske stuff, um, which has been rolling on for a while, but the, the parity talk has, has been rumbling on since the start of the year, and that process clearly needs to get better. And there's been yeah. other stuff politically going on. So it hasn't been a clean year for supercars as a, as a sport. But yeah. what, is, what do you target with your team owners, cap on as where the sport can improve the most going forward both short-term and a little bit longer into the future. Yeah, I think what we've done with employing some guys like um, Adrian Burgess and Campbell Little and, you know, the the strength they've got as um, technical people and being in the sport for so long, mm. they're not going to... They've already, um, you know, taken a massive step in the technical side of the, the parity and the teams, like, you know you're going to get caught nowadays if you do something wrong, where... Yeah. In the past, even last year, there was the scrutineering was nothing. It was like, you know, they hardly even looked at your cars. But now, you'd you'd be brave to try something. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think that's probably a really good strength, and that's been hidden because they come in and they only started in January, and the Mustang mm-hmm. was already approved. And you know, in the hindsight, there's no way those guys would have approved the Mustang. It's, yeah. yeah we know why it got approved because it was obviously it was great having Ford back in the sport and it is and it's huge for the old Ford Holden rivalry but it was bad for the sport in that it was a product that was was so superior at the start of the year to the incumbent cars that um, yeah it was always going to be dominant until you know we got on top of why it was dominant and try and fix it but it's, yeah it's all not that not that basic it's, Sounds basic, but it's not. Yeah. So, yeah, the 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 way they did the VCAT aero test was really um, old school and antiquated. But the way they're going to do the new one is like very very impressive. It's, it's going to be way more accurate, and it's going to be a a much simpler way to know that that's that's right. The way it goes around a corner, it's got the same aero, and not just down a straight and how it slows down with drag. It's going to yeah. be basically how it goes around a corner as well going to be as close as what we can do to going and put the cars in a wind tunnel but actually doing it on track so I think the steps forward there are going to be really good and creditable for the category to be able to stand up and say this is how we've done it show the public you know get some get some public support back to how the category is trying to improve and not have the same situation of parity changes every two race meetings because it's just yeah. really bad yeah yeah, and and moving forward, Gen Three is obviously a big topic at the moment. What what, what would be the ideal Barry Ryan formula for the next gen of of touring car? I mean, do you for starters see it important that it keeps the DNA where it's at now with 
with close vibration, obviously, but the V8 noise, which is intrinsic to it, um, and the physicality yeah. that the cars have got. Do you, do you see that as important for the sport moving forward? Yeah, it's definitely got to stay V8. It's got to stay some some sort of relative to the cars you can buy. But the, the concern is nobody buying sedan cars really anymore. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's got to be... The Mustang's good, I think, because the Mustang's like a, a hobby car. It's not a family car. It's like yeah. a Ford person will buy a Mustang because it's cool. And, um, yeah. you know, they're affordable. Um, the Commodore's still a, a family car. No one buys a family car anymore, so... It's going to be interesting to see what the the next GM product is going to be, and something that the Holden fans can embrace. Mm. So that's that's the thing I can't picture at the moment, which is going to have to. It's going to be really important because the Ford Holden rivalry is 100 percent back. It's 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 stronger than it's probably ever been, and probably for the wrong reasons. But who cares how it's been created? It's it's back. Like yeah, Ford people are hating Holden people. Holden people are hating Ford people, and that's how it used to be, and that's how it needs to be. So, I think yeah, Gen Three has got to be a cool Ford and a cool Holden, and hopefully a cool Toyota or a whatever, whatever other model comes in. Um, it's got to be yeah, something that people are going to love and want to buy on Monday when they say win on Sunday. I guess the old the old saying. Well, I was going to ask the same thing. We, we interviewed Rowan Dane just recently, and uh, he, he said that the one thing that he doesn't want to see is a lot of manufacturers. But, you know, definitely if we could lure maybe one, perhaps even yeah. two, but that, that would seem to be about the right mix, Gary, wouldn't it? But, you know, maybe one to the level that perhaps we had Nissan or Volvo in would probably just at this time be right, wouldn't it, to get one more brand in there? Yeah, I think so. Like, you look at um, NASCAR, they've got Ford Holden Toyota now, so. It'd be awesome to get someone like Toyota involved, and obviously they got an engine in NASCAR that would pretty simply convert to yeah. be the same as what we've got now. So that's obvious, that's the obvious one, but whether that whether that ever happens, um, it's another story. But yeah, Ford holding Toyota would be a perfect scenario, I think. Is that something you chase, Barry, as a as a team? Would you are you are you going out after brands, or would you consider going out after them, or are you happy with the the relationship you've got right now? Oh, our business model is basically just a race team. We, you know, it would be easy to think, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll be a homologation team and get Toyota, but that's not our business model. So we would have yeah. to change our structure a lot, you know, to have an engine program and have a, you know, a stronger design um, com- part of it to make sure that we could justify a brand like Toyota to know that we could do it for them. But, um, yeah. Yeah, we, we we enjoy now being able to buy a product, I guess, create our own brand and our own IP in that product to have a race car that no one else can race, essentially, as in our suspension and the way we, we go racing. Yep. Um, well, I guess that's what I'm proud of the most. And so it's Betty that we didn't just go and buy a triple eight car and, and go racing. We've, we've created an Erebus car and it's got our philosophies of, our roll bars and suspension and uprights and all the stuff that makes the car fast, and we don't sell it to anyone. So, yeah. Yeah. A yeah. couple of final questions for me, Barry. Uh, first of all, we saw uh, last week the deal that Roger Penske put together for Indy, uh, Indianapolis and the Motor Speedway and also the Indy Car Series. A lot of talk off the back of that that possibly supercars could be on the radar for his company. We know that that uh, part of the business is up 
for sale thanks to Archer Capital and their share. Is that something that you would yeah. approve of, seeing as someone like a Roger Penske buy a fair stake of supercars? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna, no, I can't even say it. But, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess if it's um, if somebody wanted to invest in for the right reasons, yeah, like there's, there's no problem with it. There's, he's professional enough and knows how to separate. He's obviously he's, he's um, entertainment business from his race team, so it doesn't really matter if he owns the series. Yeah, it, it shouldn't be a problem. It's got to be a strength, knowing that. The main investor in the series would be actually a race team and a team owner, so definitely not going to let it fail. No, yeah. very yeah. true. And the, fin- the final one from me is just in regards to Betty, and I think it would be fair to say that she was a, a fairly wild child when she first came into supercars and, and the like, but there seems to be a, a, a fair bit of maturity that's happened around Betty in the last couple of years and the way that she sort of projects herself and, yeah. and the way she does her dealings in the last couple of years. Would it be fair to say that you've had a hand in that in the couple of years that you've been at Erebus so far? Yeah, I think um, when she first started in the sport, not that people took advantage of her, but I think they, they knew that she was happy to spend money and they didn't question what, if she said she wanted to buy something, they'd just go and buy it. Mm. Where I said, Betty, we don't need that. Like, it's not going to make... There's a classic comment, and she goes cooking me all the time. It's like Betty, it's not gonna make the car faster. Mm. And um, <laughs> you know, she she calls, oh, I'm I'm a tight ass, and I won't spend money. And she goes crook at me, and but I think she enjoys it now, knowing that I've got her back, and I'm not gonna let her get ripped off. And you know, people in that position, it's, it's so easy for them to have somebody that's ripping them off and you know, sending them in the wrong direction, and money they spend in their world really doesn't matter. They can they can spend that like Roger, you can spend it a hundred times over, it's not gonna change what he does the next day and you'll still get out of bed. Mm. But um I think she's comfortable that yeah, she's there's a budget there in place. We don't waste money. We're half successful and um, you know, we don't go and ask Betty for money but she she constantly says if we need this, we need that, let's just do it. But yeah, we, we don't do that. We don't abuse it. And I think that's what's made her comfortable. Well, I think the good yeah, thing... Well, I, I was going to say, the good thing you can do there, mate, is you can just point to what it cost to run that Mercedes team when she was doing it compared to what it costs now and the results <laughs> based to back then. And I think you might win that argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That oh, was the, the whole, point. Whole, whole difficult situation back then and the whole German thing. And, you know, there was lots of people with their hand in the till as they say, no, no one like illegally. I'm just saying that there was so many people influencing how she was going to spend the money and she just wanted to dominate and um, she thought spending money was the way to do it. But I guess I've yeah. thought of there's, there's other ways you can do it. You don't have to waste money to, to win races. Yeah, well, I think that's a great point and, and it's been a great question because when the team came in, there was no doubt that it, there was a perception that it was a team owned by a rich person, which, I mean, yeah, it yeah. was. But now I, I think the reputation of Erebus is that it's a proper race team and, and that that the team ownership factor doesn't even really play a role anymore, which I reckon is a testament to the way you and Betty have managed the race team and it, it's become incredibly credible and a massive part of the sport. So, well done on that. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's, been, it's been difficult. And to put it into context, you know, there was always people that would quote based on knowing Betty was a team owner. Like if you yeah. went to buy something, you'd 
get the quote and then you'd you'd get your mates to ring up for the same quote and it'd be half the price and you're like you know, yeah. there's many arguments I've had with people saying you can't put Betty tax or Erebus tax on these things and yeah. you just don't deal with them anymore and they wonder why. But, um, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> people are <coughs> naturally greedy and um, if they think there's an opportunity to make more money some way, they'll, they'll take it. Uh, my, my question last one was going to be on the, the broader era of this picture and you and I have bumped into each other in the 12-hour paddock for the better part of a decade and it was cool to see the old SLS running around Sandown on the weekend, yeah. the 13, 12-hour winner. Um, yep. Are you back on the mountain in February? And, and I know GT racing's been a big part of Erebus' business for a long time. Are there, are there plans to do more of that uh, or other categories as well down the road? Uh, focus is definitely on supercars. And, and until we're winning the championship or you know, constantly winning races, we've got to keep a focus on that. Yep. And the, the finding the people to do other programs and the expertise is really difficult. So uh, we did the 12 hour this year, helped out Scott Taylor with Yasser's car, and that was a bit of fun. And um, obviously, we did a, did a reasonable job. Dave was second on the grid. And yep. uh, next year, we wanted to run the SLS. It was Betty and Daniel wanted to do it as a last hurrah, but it's a mulligation run out at the end of this year. So uh, yeah. we, we can only run it as an invitational car, which. It's, you just make it up the numbers, so no, no disrespect to the invitational class, but in that car, with the BOP, if we ran it this year, it would have been competitive. Yeah. But um, to run around and know you're not allowed to do under a two-minute five or whatever invitational is, it's not of interest to us, but we've got um, we've got some things in the pipeline to do like we did this year uh, with like Black Falcon, Sean, Sean Paul that runs that team. He wants to collaborate and maybe do something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Scott Taylor. We're talking to him, and Scott's on the low down a bit at the moment. So we're trying to make um, make him love motorsport again because he's a he's a great guy to have in the sport, and it'd be great to yeah. get his passion back again because I think he's lost a bit of passion for for some reason. I don't really know, or don't want to get into it. But I like Scott. And I'd love to see him back in the sport. So if we can do something with him or Black Falcon, and you know, um, have a crack at winning the race, we'll do it next year. We'd, Here's some of our crew some more experience. That's the best thing about Bathurst well now. Yeah. Barry, you've been really generous with your time. We really do appreciate it today, though. We should just tell everyone out there, too, about the opportunities that they've got this weekend to pop on out to the workshop and have a look at uh, the Erebus operation. Yeah, we've got, a, it's got an open day on um, Sunday, 11 till 2. Just a bit of a fun day. We're gonna, it's going to be kiss themed because, obviously, we're doing the kiss cars again at, um, at Newcastle. We're going to have some uh, you know, face painting for the kids and uh, people can bring their guitar and plug into the amp and do a couple of kiss riffs and we'll have a bit of competitions around that. And just a bit of fun and see the race cars. See the, well, the Anton might be there because he's racing the S5000, but Dave will be there. And Last year we did it and we had I reckon, 500 people at, at one stage. The joint was packed and everybody loved right. it. And merchandise and memorabilia and all that sort of stuff will be there. And, SLS and AMG E63 and yeah, it'll be a good fun day. Hopefully the weather's good. It'll be a great day, so get on out to uh, the Erebus uh, workshop and uh, have a look at that this uh, Sunday between 11 and 11, 10 and 1. Uh, 11 till 2. 11 till 2. There you go, this Sunday. Barry, thanks for your time. Really do appreciate it uh, and your openness as well. Uh, enjoy the final race of the year and uh, whatever break may come up after that and uh, good luck for season 2020. No
Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Barry. Barry Ryan joining us here, the CEO of Erebus Motorsport. Oh, great chat there with Barry Ryan. Boys are open and honest, and that's what we love. Yeah, as we've come to expect now, he's, he's not back into coming forward in his opinion, which is terrific. There's not enough of that in the sport. So, yeah, good to see. I, I think the thing I got about, out of that discussion, boys, was uh, the, the point we raised and, uh, about Betty starting off and how she gets us off and, and how the team has become credible. And I, I think that's the crowning accomplishment for Erebus out of everything, out of winning Bathurst, out of becoming a regular contender. It's, they've become a credible race car team where from where they started, uh, yeah. taking over Stone Brothers Racing and all the dramas early on, I, I reckon that's a huge accomplishment. So Each week at the racetrack, um, race they are a genuine contender. Yeah, every week. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's huge. In, in a sport so competitive and so bloody difficult to get competitive in, um, no, that's it's a huge accomplishment for those guys. Love it. And, and the great thing about it also is that, look, Barry's a racer. He's been around the sport many, many years. Um, he went to that team. It, w- it would have been a bit of turmoil. David Reynolds, in our interview on the racetalk.com, said it was in turmoil when he got there. But the great thing is that, that he, uh, David, and Alma Bain have really taken the senior position in this team. Betty's doing what she does best, and that's she's there, and it's, it's a great thing that her team is now winning. But the great thing is that she's recognised that, and then given Barry the opportunity to buy in on that licence. So. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a great story, and uh, you know I will put my hand up. In the early days, you just wondered whether the team was going to survive. Mm. So yeah. it is it is a great turnaround, and I, I and now they're talking about the next ten years. Absolutely, it's yeah. great. Yeah, good. It is good. Hey, uh, I tell you what, they will survive, and they will survive a long time with their young brigade coming through. Driver wise, Anton Di Pasquale uh, drove pretty well, I thought, uh, on the weekend, as did uh, Will Brown. A great combination for uh, for. Pedrite Racing there. There was a few things that came out of the weekend and one of those that I thought was the most unfortunate thing of the weekend was the penalty that was applied to uh, to that car with the Shane Van Gisbergen situation, boys. Yeah, that, that was unfortunate, wasn't it? And, and the, the best outcome from that was that straight away race control put their hand up and said, no, that was wrong. And Craig, Craig came down to the team and apologised and then was interviewed on live television afterwards and said, no, my fault, called it, called it wrong. Um, so, you know, that's, that's accountability. And, and, you know, as always, social media has been calm and measured in its response, not. Um, but, uh, you know, you want to make these decisions in the race because the worst thing in the history of motorsport is rocking up to the racetrack the next day and the winners changed overnight. And that's not good for anybody. So they try and make these calls, but perhaps... Uh, in this occasion, it was made a little bit too quickly without the full possession of all the details. They owned it. They copped it. That's the that's the thing. Um, and in the end, they um, they worked out that, that that car wouldn't have actually finished any higher had they not had that drive-through penalty to say they were a little bit further down. So could have, should have, would have. That's, that's just an unfortunate aspect of the sport. But they, they showed where they're at. And um, I, I thought, to his credit, Shane handled it really well. And, and Shane's been really impressive for the last couple of weeks. Um, both the, the act on the on the Gold Coast stopping for Scotty and then and then instantly going no that that wasn't their fault that 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 they shouldn't have been penalised I thought that was really good from from him. I think the only thing uh, Rich that that, that that comes out and I totally agree you know, it was to see Craig there just put his hand up and say got it wrong but mm. there still is an underbubbling of inconsistency because in other races that's been a time penalty. 
then yeah. it becomes a drive-through. So which is it? You know, and then I think if there's any legacy from it, the consistency still has to be put in place. I'm not, I'm not for a moment suggesting Craig didn't do the right thing by putting his hand up, but, but the application of the penalty seems to vary from race to race. And I think this is something that, you know, they've just got to get on top of because that's, that's the one thing. If, it's, if, if that's the penalty, that's the penalty, but make it consistent. Yeah, no. yeah I, I agree. The, the, the drama was, I think, there that because it it wasn't just a bump and run and because it sent the 97 to the very back of the field, that um, I think that was probably the reason why they gave them the drive through it. So it had to be a substantial loss of track position for that car rather than just the time penalty. But yeah, well, I mean, we could debate that till the cows come home, but it's just, it was just, it was just an unfortunate scenario wasn't it in, a, in yeah. we talked with Barry in a year that's been a really tough year for supercars on our off track um, safety car drama at Pukekohe that and there's a few other instances as well but sometimes I mean, it's hard being the umpire really really difficult and, and in this game more than perhaps any is there any truth to the rumour that Red Bull uh, Racing are answering their phone at the office uh, Red Bull Racing we're back baby <laughs> They just smashed them on the weekend, they did, didn't, didn't they? they? And and the the talk, of course, on the internet was all parody. They've gone too far the other way. But you cannot tell me there were any other team that were going to win that race. And five of the six Mustangs were in the top ten. Uh, several of them in the top five. Two of them on the podium. Though it would have only been one had the 97 not broken. And there was a Datsun in there as well. So you cannot tell me that the parity's broken because there were no other holding teams that for a moment looked like being capable of winning the Sandown 500. This was a triple eight beatdown. They absolutely thrashed them and it was off the back of having fast race cars but having the four best drivers in the paddock, arguably, uh, or four of the best drivers and that immense stint from Garth Tander at the start of the race where he was starting last and blazed his way through the field and actually led the race before his first pit stop. It was just extraordinary. So they smoked them, but then they smoked them there last year as well and finished one, two, and three. So it wasn't a massive surprise, I think. Yeah, I think we need to mention those two rookie co-drivers because, uh, uh, you know, they didn't do a bad job. Craig Lowndes mm. also, two superb staff, two mm. dominant um, runs from the front. But I also was looking, and, and we, we talked more about this, uh, about the other co-drivers, and I still maintain there is a weak link at DJ Team Penske with Prema, as much as I defend him. When, when Garth was just moving into the lead because of the pit stop, but he was running second, um, on lap, uh, Prema had only just made his way into the top 10, and they started one car apart. Yeah. Um, what's interesting, seeing the back of the grid, I've got to say, with... Uh, with the 97 car, the 17 car, and even Scotty Pye down there yeah. who, who ruled up the grid. It was a pretty strange grid. But it just showed the difference at that level of how how Tanda was able to just absolutely blaze through. Premo was obviously a bit cautious, but there again, there's 10 cars different from them after 27 laps. Yeah, to, to defend them though, Dale, I agree with you, by the way. Uh, and, and it's the difference between a, a full-time level one driver, which let's be honest, Garth still is. Um, he just doesn't have a full-time drive. Um and, and a guy who comes in and does three races a year. But I, I think Alex had in the back of his mind, no risk. This car just has to finish the race and stop the champion. And I'm the sure champion. that, was, yeah, yep, that yep. was discussed in the drivers in the yep. briefing before the race. So I, I get your point 100%. And um, I, I think it just uh, amplifies how good that drive from GT was in particular. 
Yeah, no doubt. It's also about... great to see uh, great to see uh, James Moffat with uh, with with Al there. He got his first day. The retro uh, trans and Mustang. Not that it looked like it, but that's another story. But uh, it it really was fantastic. I thought James deserved a good result this time round. He has been mm. in both seasons with Chaz a sensational uh, co-driver for Chaz Moffat, and they really deserved that. Gritty race. They had their problems as well. He was spearing up the infield during the uh, the co-driver race on Saturday. Um, so I think it was a good result. Good result, ticked it all around really with uh, with Lee Holdsworth in tears in third place. Uh, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, yep, absolutely beautiful. Uh, we've discussed the winners of uh, the race. Uh, any losers? Oh, yeah. Well, well, I I, I think the event itself, um, Melbourne's bloody awful weather didn't help the cause. Um, Saturday crowd really disappointing and I've seen some people going oh well the weather kept people away maybe but there were still 57,500 out at Flemington for stakes day so yeah, well, yeah that's, no, the, that's the normally 80, that's normally 80 to 90,000 though yeah well it was yeah but it was it was 65,000 last year so you yeah. top a 10,000 loss in crowd um, but you know it's still almost 60,000 people compared to I reckon maybe 10 at Sandown so that that was frustrating, and I, I they've moved it out of football finals directly into spring carnival, and I reckon spring carnival are more of a competition than football finals. The spring carnival goes all week. There's five or six key events, um, and it probably costs more money to go to the Melbourne Cup than it would to go to an AFL final. So well, there's only two teams um, on the are, Sunday in footy finals playing, so there's 16 teams that aren't being represented. So you go to the races. Yeah, 100. Yeah. yeah, so if, if Collingwood's playing and you're a Geelong fan, you're not going to go Correct. to see Collingwood play a final. Yeah, so I, I, I think that's a that's a firm not. Um, the Sunday crowd wasn't spectacular either, even though the weather was better. Um, it was decent, but it wasn't big. It was certainly much bigger last year, to a couple of thousand, I would have said. So that that was a little bit disappointing for me, and and I'm I'm still very frustrated that we lose the 500. Now, whether it's just the title or the the two driver race, I can cop. I can cop the date change. I can probably cop losing the two-driver race, but losing the history behind the brand and the Sandown 500 label really hurts as someone who loves the history of the sport, all for the sake of 100Ks next year. So two 250K single-driver races, it keeps the challenge for the drivers, it keeps the Sandown 500 brand, and it gives that event something unique that arguably the history of the circuit deserves outside of just having retro rounds. So um, I hope they revise that for next year. I hope there's a change, and I hope we keep the stand down 500 tradition in some form of life. Yeah, I agree, Rich. Otherwise, it'll be back to the hang 10 400. Um, but you know, it, it is disappointing because there was such a lot of work done to bring this track back to FIA uh, Level 3 spec, all the money spent on it, the commitment from Supercars, the commitment from the old racing club to, to probably you know get off that state of execution and then... That happens to the race, and and I agree, it's it's absolutely wrong. Uh, I don't even like the idea of two two fifties. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that the Sandown 500 is the race. Uh, I know they're going to trial tail and bend, and that's probably you know in Rich's backyard, a, a proud South Australian. But to me, it's one of the great events of our calendar that we've lost. Um, just on that point, I did speak to a, a team owner that um, I won't name, um, who had no corporate uh, guests at Sandown at all. Yeah, uh, which is surprising. And he said in at least two of their companies that they deal with have commitments to the Spring Carnival and that's where their people were. So 
like you, Richard, I just find it bizarre that you'd move from a big sporting occasion in Melbourne being the AFL finals to a big sporting occasion in Melbourne, which is spring racing carnival. So um, it, it defies belief for me. Nothing like clean air in racing, is there? Absolutely nothing. Hey, guys, uh, very quickly, we should mention also this weekend coming up, uh, Shannon's Nationals, final round of it for 2019 over at the Bend Motorsport Park. Uh, be good to see the S5000s out again and also the TCR cars. Yeah, and final round, of course, in this one, GT3 Cup Challenge, perhaps even more importantly. So yeah. another Porsche champion will be crowned and there's three great young guys involved at the pointy end of that title battle. So... Uh, that's going to be good. It could be uh, Double the Love or uh, Hello, Mr. Jones, uh, and Harry Jones in winning that title. So, yeah, good weekend. S5000 field's going to be mega. Um, James Winslow confirmed. Um, Anton Bickersquale will be in one of those cars. Will Brown is back. Um, I think Lever's going around again in the GRM car. Rick Capo, Tim Macro will be there. Uh, very, very cool. And Tommy Randall having a drive. So, from a a jet point of view, that field is going to be awesome and I'm keen to see those big bangers on the, a fast, open, flowing circuit. I reckon they'll give the, the Ben's lap record a fair old nudge on the weekend. Yeah. Tommy Two Randall. quick things, Tony. Yeah. Uh, one is uh, the cancellation of the, the World Rally Championship up in the uh, New South Wales Coast Harbour yes. area. Children all their hearts go out to the people up there who are suffering shocking bushfires. Right decision. Uh, cars yep. are all here. They're set up, ready to go. Absolutely the right decision to make. And, and one last one for me, my favourite team in the World Endurance Championship, Rebellion Racing, has beaten Toyota in Shanghai and won a round of the WEC, which I think from a privateer LNC1 team is sensational. That is yeah. fantastic. I, I love the, the social media conversation, Dale, after that. If you're a Toyota driver, it was, uh, well, we were robbed because we weren't allowed to race. The Rebellion drivers were all, now that we can finally race because we've got some parity, <laughs> how good is right. it we can show we're competitive? So it's always funny, isn't it, motorsport? Depending on what side of the fence you're sitting on, uh, it dictates what, what side of the grass is green or not. Absolutely right, Rich. Absolutely. Boys, thank you so much for your company today. Really do appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to catching up next week when we uh, fully preview what's going to happen in the final round of Supercars for 2019 up at Newcastle. Love it. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Rich, Tony. See you soon. Richard Crowell, Dale Rogers joining us here on The Grid. We'll join you next week right here on mypodcasthouse.com.